In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Reyes Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Listener discretion is advised as this content is intended for adult audiences only. Hidden Signal Q-Code presents Hidden Signal. New skin. It's always fun to try on a new skin. It makes you feel like a new person. In Meet and Space, everyone has a skin. Some skins are cheap, blocky renderings that look only vaguely human, while others are lovingly crafted, billion polygon representations of real bodies. The one I'm now proudly wearing is one of the latter, a custom job of the highest order. I look perfect, like the real-life Jamie. I set it as my default and exit out of my closet. I find myself standing in the middle of the street, the humming nexus at the heart of meet and space. Digital bits race halfway around the world and appear inside my headset as pixels, where they align to show me an impossibly long boulevard under an impossibly starry night sky. 60 times every second, the picture redraws itself, while a conduction band bounces sound waves off my skull bones and haptic gloves squeeze my fingers to create an immersive sensory experience. All this is in the name of generating the very convincing illusion of reality that has made Meet and Space Incorporated one of the most profitable corporations of all time. Thousands of people walk up and down the small segment of the street that falls in my field of view most in groups of five or six, chatting and laughing and sharing their lives. It makes me smile. I like meet and space. I've always been more comfortable here than in meat space. M-E-A-T. You know, the real world. It's not like I'm a psychopath or anything. I just like being in control of how others see me. When I'm online, I get to choose the skin I'm in. I never have to look sick or tired or bloated or any way other than the way I want. It's freeing, really. I can just be myself. My friend Tara must have seen me log on because I get a chat notification. Tara. Yo, 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 what you doing? I'm here in Dragoon's solo and final three bosses. Jamie, just logged on. Tara, 
Want to come slay some fools? Jamie. Nah, I'm gonna just lurk for a bit. Let me know when you're done. Tara. Whatevs. Later, bitch. Tara, forever a sheep, is obsessed with this new flavor of the month game, Dragoon's Run. The mechanics are fun enough, but running the same bosses over and over again for random loot drops has always felt a bit tedious to me. Games like that are a dime a dozen in meat and space. But the street is so rich, so vibrant, and so interesting that a lot of people don't even play when they log on. Some of them, maybe even most of them, since Chattelite shut down, are just here to lurk, hanging out in various lobbies around the street, watching other people play the games while they chat with their online friends. I head for my favorite lurking spot, the lobby of Ripperdome. Ripperdome has everything I need in a game. The hand-to-hand -hand combat of an old-school fighter, the customizable loadouts of a great RPG, and the kind of visceral blood and gore that are hard to find outside of the real back-alley horror developers. It's probably enough carnage to scare any big sponsors away, but I'm not here to win money. I just like it. The lobby here has a retro vibe that's always appealed to me. It's meant to feel like Las Vegas in the old days, on the night of a big prize fight. Slot machines and roulette wheels surround the enormous 3D projection of the death matches going on inside the game. On tournament nights, they only run one match at a time and project it 50 feet high for a cheering crowd of hundreds. But on a night like tonight, any old schmuck can play, which is fine by me. It means the lobby will be real heads only. One of the death matches closest to me ends in a gruesome fatality, but hardly anyone reacts to the spewing blood and computer-generated screaming that comes from the projection. I pull up stats and settings and tell Meet and Space to hide all the non-player characters. Ripperdone always has a lot. Nobody logs on to deal blackjack or wait tables, after all. But on slow nights, they fill the place with NPC patrons to make it feel more crowded. Sure enough, three quarters of the people in the lobby vanish, leaving a few singles waiting for their sparring partners and a small group having an animated argument by one of the Vortex slot machines. I make my way over to the group, where a guy with a custom necromancer skin is mid-sentence. Even if it were true, you can't kill someone in meat in space. It's impossible. I'm just telling you what my brother heard, man, says one of the kids arguing with him, a little punk with a cheap fauxhawk skin. Don't shoot the messenger. Then don't go spreading rumors about stupid shit. The necromancer sees me walking over and points. Jamie, back me up here. These ignorant little dumbasses think there's some kind of killer on the loose. In meat and space. I can't quite place the guy, but he definitely knows me. I let my ridicule rest on him, and meat and space prompts me with his name. Omar. A killer, huh? I say playing along. Sounds scary. If some guys out there fucking up lobby lurkers, me and Omar better watch out. Nah, miss whoever the fuck you are, says the punk kid, looking me up and down. He ain't slaying skins. He's killing people, IRL, while they're still jacked in and shit. Must be a pretty teeny-weeny killer to fit through a headset, Omar says, chuckling a little. I can't help but join him. The image of a microscopic murderer crawling down a fiber-optic cable with a razor blade in their teeth tickles me in a way I can't explain. Whatever, laugh it up the kid says defensively. One of my brother's friends went missing, and we're gonna find him.
Yeah, Prowley face down in bed with a needle in his arm, Omar says darkly. Maybe he fell in love, I offer trying to lighten the mood. You know, with someone IRL? It's been known to happen. You guys don't know shit about shit, Fohawk declares, bored of us already. We're gonna go find a deathmatch ladder to run. Come find us if you want to get stomped. The kid and his cronies stalk away in a huff, and I hang back with Omar. He gives me a weird look for a second, but quickly shakes it off. He nods towards the matches. You looking to play tonight or what? Just lurking for now, seeing who's around. I make a point of scanning the nearly empty room. He's a regular here, so I'm sure Omar's got the NPCs hidden too. Might be time to try somewhere else, by the looks of it. And miss out on all this action? He says, grinning. It's cool. I'd be scared of me too. Watch yourself, or I'll send the meat and space killer after you. Ha, the meat and space killer. That's good. There's a pause, like he's gathering his nerve. Then, hey, you don't think it's possible? I know you're not about to ask me if I think it's possible to kill someone in virtual reality, I say, a little vinegar in my voice, because it's obviously fucking not. Omar smiles and nods his head. Right, obviously. I have to pop back out of meat and space for a minute to handle some of the inconvenient bodily functions that keep my brain alive. Once I've adjusted to the bright sunlight and smoggy air of meat space, I head for the kitchen unit in my tiny one-room apartment. Truth be told, this place sucks. It's cramped, dirty, I hate looking at it. But I spend so little time here that I never bother to make it better. Besides, it's got everything I need to survive. A place to get online, a place to sleep, and a microwave where I can nuke the garbage slop that passes for food nowadays. It even has a window, which helps a little with the smell. I stick a block of goopy brown stuff in the microwave and hit the button. It's supposed to be vegan beef bourguignon, but vegan just means whoever made it was too cheap to include any parts of a real cow. It spins on the little platter, slowly melting into something resembling edible. I head for my shitty little bathroom. Getting into the bathroom is a challenge. My meat space body is a few pounds heavier than my online skin, but I squeeze my way in, wrestle my pants down, and do what I have to do. I can't help but think that the vegan beef bourguignon looks suspiciously similar going in and coming out. I fucking hate meat space. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Reyes Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. It feels like all anyone is talking about is the killer when I log back in. It's on every forum and post board. 
the talk of the virtual town. Everyone's got a theory about what happens to the victims. Heart attack, aneurysm, bullet to the brain. But everyone agrees there are victims. So, of course, Tara messages me about it. Tara, you hear about the killer going around meeting space? I heard he was looking for his next mark. You should be careful. Jamie, LMAO, you're so dumb. You can't kill someone online. Tara, you don't know that. Remember the guy who made that seizure spam? It was like two years ago. Jamie, oh yeah, that was fucked up. Tara, I'm just saying, people died then. Maybe there's some flashy lights that make you just like die on the spot. Jamie, and maybe it's just a bunch of BS rumors like everything else on here. Tara, OMG, you're such a stubborn hoe sometimes. I can't even. I don't have the patience to argue with her. So I set my chat status to invisible and head for the Ripper Dome lobby. There's a guy inside with a custom skin like mine, painstakingly built to look as real and unique as possible. He's half-heartedly pulling the lever on a slot machine, lost in his own thoughts. I head over to the machine next to him and take a seat. Nice skin, I say, checking out the detail around his temples where the hair patterns become random and irregular. Where'd you get it? He turns to face me. He's got exquisite features, all cheekbones and lips, with pale gray eyes that twinkle in the light. Such a pretty face. It's no wonder he wants to wear it. I made it, he says, trying for nonchalance. Bullshit you did, he arches an eyebrow. If you could make a skin like that, you wouldn't be lurking around the Ripper Dome trying to hit it big on the slots. You'd be off in some private lobby counting your money. Who says I'm lurking? Maybe I'm just waiting for my game. Except you haven't checked the matches once. I'm really more of a player than a spectator, he starts. Oh yeah? What's your loadout? The look in his eyes tells me that he's busted, and he knows I know. He grins sheepishly. Okay, you caught me. I'm lurking. Name's Soren. He reaches out his fist, and I touch mine to it gently. Nobody shakes hands in VR. It just feels weird. Jamie, so where'd you get the skin? He looks at his own arms, a little surprised. This thing? I really did make it myself. I'm a design student at TSCC. This was my senior project. It's nice, I say, reaching my hands towards it instinctively. Great shaders. Yours isn't half bad either, he says. A lot of designers can't really get a girl's figure right. Must have cost you a pretty penny. I do okay. I shoot back, not interested in discussing my personal finances. What's a soon-to-be former art student doing lurking in the lobby of a third-tier slash-em-up? I turn to the matches. The one closest to us has just ended. The winner's spiked lance is still dripping blood and poking through his opponent's ribcage. I'm guessing it's not aesthetic inspiration. Well, since you asked, I'm actually trying to dig up some info. He leans over conspiratorially and drops to a whisper. You hear about this meat and space killer? I should have known. I'm about to give Soren the eye roll of a lifetime and never see him again 
when he says something that stops me dead in my tracks. I think I might know where to find him. I decide to do a little research of my own into this so-called killer back in the real world, meat space. Two seconds on my tablet, and I can see why it's all of a sudden such a hot piece of goss. There's a story in the post from two days ago called The Meat in Space Murders. I skim through it, try my best to pick out the relevant details amidst the sensationalism. It's only been public knowledge for a couple days, but the killings themselves all seem to have happened over a month ago, with some more than a year old. Finally, I get to the meat of the thing. The pattern is starting to emerge now, and it's always the same. Players found dead in their homes, headsets still logged into meat and space, left to rot on the floors for weeks or months. Police have declined to comment on the state of the bodies, but there are as of yet unconfirmed rumors that they have been gruesomely mutilated before death. Law enforcement has no suspects at this time. They can't even be certain who the last victim was or when they were attacked. All players on Neaton Space are advised to be extremely careful. Well then, maybe Soren isn't such a waste of time after all. You're late, Soren says when I show up in the lobby four minutes after our agreed upon time. You're lucky I showed up at all, I say, flashing my cutest smile at him. I know all about what goes on in the babbling brook. Yeah, it's a real hive of scum and villainy, he says perfect stomping grounds for a murderer. After you. He gestures to the game portal when I step through and am almost instantly surrounded by an impermeable layer of thick gray fog. The babbling brook isn't much of a game at all. It's just a little cutesy virtual stream with thick patches of fog separating semi-private patches of sunshine. It was supposed to be a place for couples to go and do couple stuff, but with zero supervision from mods or law enforcement, it quickly turned into a mecca for online shadiness. Now, Babbling Brook is rumored to be the best place in meat and space to buy hookers, heroin, or any other IRL contraband one might find themselves needing. Until today, I had never been. I take a few steps forward along the bank of a small creek, but with the sound so thoroughly muffled, I can barely hear my own footsteps. Soren's, on the other hand, are downright thunderous as he clumsily makes his way behind me. You move around like a noob, you know that? I say over my shoulder to him as he trips over his own feet for the tenth time. No offense or anything. None taken. I've been a noob all my life. As you may have noticed, gaming is not one of my gifts, he says, we reach a fork in the stream where two tiny tributaries come together. Apparently, we're supposed to follow it to the left. I hop the stream and continue along the left bank, checking over my shoulder to make sure Soren didn't get himself stuck on the jump. So how'd you get this tip anyway? Well, my brother's been going around various lobbies, asking about my friend Diego. He went missing like a week ago. Punk-ass kid with a cheap fauxhawk? I ask, remembering the kid arguing with Omar. You met him then? Briefly, he was at the Ripper Dome, day before you. Ah, you must be the hot goth chick he was talking about. Should have known. 
I'm glad the fog is thick so Soren can't see me blush. Anyway, my brother heard a rumor that there was some kind of meeting spot out here in the Babylon Brook. Real killers only, someone said. And then he found out Diego was coming down every day for like two weeks before he disappeared. So what? We're following his trail and hoping we get lucky, I ask, starting to realize just how flimsy Soren's plan is. Unless you have a better idea, he says. But a couple of muffled voices get my attention over the sound of the brook. I put a hand up and open up a text chat. Jamie, shut up and listen. You hear that? He's silent for a moment, and I can hear the low voices getting more animated. They're just a few paces down the bank from here, but the fog is too thick to make out any words. Soren, what do you think it is? Jamie, someone who doesn't want us listening, that's for sure. Soren, think it's him? Jamie, one way to find out, stay quiet. I creep away from the brook, making sure of each step so I don't make a sound. Soren follows, and we skulk through the thinning fog as the voices get louder. It's no good without access to the door, says the first voice, raspy and low. I don't know what to tell you, partner. It's analog. The second voice is higher pitched than the first and a bit nasally. Lock and key. There must be a safety override, says the first voice. There always is. Them pre-war units ain't always up to code. You sure it's gonna be this one? Maybe. It's gotta be this one. I've been working it too long. I wince as I hear the loud thump of Soren's foot hitting a tree stump. The voice gets even lower. Suspicious now. You hear that? There's a rustling of footsteps as the second voice responds. Sounds like we're not alone. The footsteps get louder as Soren rushes towards the voices, desperate to get a glimpse of their skins, all pretense of stealth discarded. Someone's coming! Get the fuck out of here! I follow Soren and reach the clearing just behind him, but we see nothing but the vague shimmering of meat and space filling the area where two players have just logged out. Soren looks at me, deflated. Fuck, we were so close. Yeah, until you went all Leroy Jenkins on their ass. Don't you know how to creep? He looks down, slightly embarrassed. I told you, gaming was never really my thing. I shake my head. So what now? Don't tell me this was your only lead. Soren shrugs apologetically. I guess we try again tomorrow. I think the worst part of meat space is the smell. It's really getting bad in here now, as the detritus of my life commingles with the stale air of the apartment to create an olfactory onslaught of epic proportions. Every time I take the voice modulator off my face and let it in, the stench of decay is like a lightning bolt to the brain. Something deep inside my lizard brain is telling me to flee the site where things are rotting but I've grown quite accustomed to sublimating my instincts over the years. Still, it fucking reeks in here. Sora and I went back to the babbling brook a half a dozen more times, but we never stumbled across anything nearly as interesting as that first day. The more we hang out, the less he talks about finding Diego or the meat-and-space killer. He says he's still looking, 
but all the hype from the article has died with the lack of fresh bodies. Fine by me. Soren's the kind of guy I haven't met in a long time. He's someone I can really talk to and feel like he's really listening. He told me all about his family, his dead dad, his crazy mom, and that pissant little brother of his. And he started telling me stories about his other friends besides Diego, too. In return, I've told him as much about myself as I tell anyone, how I moved around a lot as a kid and never made many friends, how I live by myself now because my parents are abusive psychos, and how I spend more time on meat and space than in meat space because the people are nicer. That's one place where we couldn't agree more. Soren has an okay life IRL, but he still chooses to go to school, make his art, and hang out with his friends in meat and space, which makes me feel better about my fucked up life and the choices I've made, if I'm being honest. I'm supposed to meet him today. He wanted to hit Ripperdome again for research, but he hasn't messaged me yet. I'm ready to give up and message Tara when the alert comes in. Soren. Hey, sorry I'm late. Had a thing in meat space go long. Jamie. Everything okay? Soren. Um, not really. They found Diego. He's dead. Jamie. OMG, Soren. I'm so sorry. Soren. It wasn't the meat and space killer either. Just a regular old OD. Jamie. Jesus, are you okay? Soren. I think I need to take some time away from meat and space. Get offline for a while. Clear my head. It's devastating to read. All the time I spent with Soren, and now he's just going to unplug? What about me? He's become more than a friend. But how do I let him know that? Jamie. Really? I mean, I get it. I'm just, I really like talking to you. Soren. Well, we don't have to stop talking. We could always meet up, IRL. My heart flutters as I read and reread those three letters, I-R-L. I don't know what to think. I'm excited, of course, but nervous. I don't know, Soren. As far as I can tell, he's just a skin on my screen and a voice in my ear. I only know the illusion of Soren that he wants me to see. I might not like the reality. Sometimes online friendships are better kept online. I must be taking too long to respond because Soren is already backtracking. Soren, sorry if that's too forward. I just like, like you said, it. I really like talking to you and I feel like you like me. No worries, though. Either way, I'm paralyzed with indecision. What if Soren disappoints? What if he's flawed and ugly and judgmental and just utterly and unbearably human? But then again, what if he's not? Jamie. Yeah, let's do it. How about tomorrow night? Soren. Really? Tomorrow's perfect. You're in Castle Heights, right? Jamie. Yeah, but I can't have you at my place. No offense or anything. Soren. Nah, all good. Do you want to come to mine? 
Soren sends me his address, and I take a deep breath. I guess we're doing this. Soren's apartment is in an old building, the kind that still has scars from all the drug raids and turf wars it's seen over the years. I climb up the staircase, wondering what he's doing as he awaits the girl of his dreams. Maybe he's opening a bottle of wine or laying out a plate of fancy cheese. Or maybe he's checking his condom supply, making sure he's ready in case things go in that direction. Whatever he's doing, I'm sure he's nervous. He's expecting that any minute he'll hear a knock on his door and open it up to find himself face to face with Jamie, the girl he's fallen head over heels in love with over the last few weeks. Jamie had a great skin, one of the best I've ever seen, definitely the best I've ever worn. She told me all about the day she got it, and Tara told her she looked like a million-dollar hooker. She told me about a lot of things before she invited me over to really get to know me. Her skin was nice and meat space too, smooth and thin and nearly perfect. Made for some killer pictures before I peeled it off her quivering flesh. The cops will be there soon enough. The smell will give her away eventually. It always does. I walk up to the door of Soren's unit, running my finger along the edge of the sharp curved blade in my right hand. It's purpose built with a curved razor sharp edge and a blunt tip to keep it from poking through a hide. It was made for deer, I think, but it does the job just fine. I knock on the door once, twice, three times. I hear a quiet shuffling on the other side. Then Soren opens up his home and sees the version of me that I keep hidden away. The meat space version. Tall, gnarled and thick, a grotesque mockery of human flesh, bent low by years of abuse. Hi, Soren, I say the voice modulator gone so he can hear my true speaking voice for the first time. It's low and guttural, like gravel and molasses. I'm so glad I found you. I can see the confusion turn to fear in his eyes, the same pale gray eyes he had in meat and space. He's frozen for a moment, unsure of what happens next. He tries to close the door, but I shove my foot in and stop it. Who are you? He shouts bravely. Where's Jamie? I have to smile. I can't help myself. It's always fun to try on a new skin. Hidden Signal New Skin is narrated by Erica Lewis, written by Nick Hawthorne, directed by Lauren Sinelli, executive produced by Rob Herding, Sandra Yi Ling, and Shin Yin Hee Yu, co-producers Lauren Sinelli, Sarah Ma, and Tom Breck, original score and composition by Darren Johnson, audio engineering and editing by Sarah Ma, script supervisor Tom Breck, special thanks to Jack Friedman and Nick Shanks. This podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Hidden Signal is a Q-Code production. 
Sound recording copyright 2023 by Q-Code Media Inc. Everyone needs a break from the real world. That's why we played games as kids, and that's why we should play games as adults. I'm Troy Lavalley. And I'm Joe O'Brien. And back in 2015, we started a podcast called The Glass Cannon Podcast, a show made up of comedians and actors playing a fantasy role-playing game. And now is the perfect time to start listening because we just started a brand new story. It's basically Lord of the Rings meets Game of Thrones meets X-Files. Search for The Glass Cannon Podcast on your podcast app of choice. Hey, life is hard, so come play pretend with us. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. 